0: A couple of weeks ago, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York was demanding that Donald Trump send him more ventilators. It then came out that the ventilators they had in New York were just being stockpiled. It wasn't that they didn't necessarily need them, but they didn't need more. Donald Trump resisted this. And as it turns out right now, it seems that we've passed the peak in New York and it turns out Andrew Cuomo didn't actually need many of these ventilators. That doesn't mean it was the right decision to withhold them, but it does mean that Donald Trump was right about New York not needing them. While well, he's certainly tweeting about it. Trump is certainly being proven right in many different ways, especially as many of these governors now call for the economy to be reopened. But the strangest thing is happening. You see, all throughout the coronavirus pandemic, the media has slammed Donald Trump for everything he said and ignored or praised Democratic governors for doing or saying the exact same things. Take, for instance, hydroxychloroquine, the potential treatment for coronavirus might not cure it, might work. Who knows? The president said he's hopeful and wants to see trials. The media slammed the president over and over again and blamed him for any potential adverse effects. Meanwhile, Andrew Cuomo of New York actually put it to use. and The media said nothing. Right now, Andrew Cuomo is saying we need to reopen the economy. There's no negative press about him saying this needs to happen. Yet meanwhile, Dr. Phil on Fox News is being called ostensibly pro-Trump for arguing that we need to open the economy. It makes almost no sense. But I guess if you understand how the media and the establishment works, you understand what they're doing. If it's coming from Fox News or the president, it must be bad. If it's coming from Andrew Cuomo, a Democrat, just ignore it and say nothing. Well, now we're seeing protests spark up around the country as protesters demand, notably in Michigan, that they reopen the economy. But we have seen protests all over the country. For some reason, these protests are called unhinged. When Donald Trump tweets in support of them, Cenk Uygur of the Young Turks says he needs to be impeached for inciting violence. Yet when other governors say it's also time to reopen the economy because we can't sustain this, they don't say anything. Donald Trump once again proven right but the media just says he's wrong no matter what he does, even if he's in agreement, for the most part, with other governors. It's really hard to figure out what's going on. It makes no sense. But let's read the news, and I'm gonna walk you through this. Let me just tell you, some of these progressives, notably Jen Uygur of the Young Turks, they're tweeting unhinged nonsense, and it makes it really difficult for any of us to actually track what's happening. But I've got the receipts. I got the sources. Let's read. CNBC says, New York still struggles with 2000 new coronavirus hospitalizations a day, Governor Cuomo says. Now, the first thing I want to point out, this title is absolutely fascinating because it doesn't really reflect the context of what's happening. We are seeing less hospitalizations, less intubations. Things are going pretty well, but CNBC wants to frame it like a serious negative. Meanwhile, Cuomo's actually saying we're going to slowly start reopening the economy. Now, Cuomo has extended the lockdown but we are entering this period. Trump has said we are going to be doing a multi-phased reopening of the economy, and it's up to the governors. Governors have agreed with him, not all of them, but some of them. Yet somehow the press about Trump is negative. The press about Cuomo is framed as a negative while not slamming Cuomo himself. Before we read this, head over to timcast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways that you can support me, but the best thing you can do, share this video, YouTube likes to prop up mainstream media sources. And while I actually use mainstream media sources, I provide greater context than you'll often get on the front page. But more importantly, if you just think I do a good job, you're not going to see me on the front page. If you like this stuff and you want to help, sharing this video helps support me more than, you know, well, it stops the algorithmic suppression. I'll put it that way. But if you want to get more videos like this, make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, and hit the notification bell to make sure to what extent it helps, you'll get more videos like this. CNBC reports, New York is still struggling to contain the coronavirus outbreak across the state with 2,000 new hospitalizations a day, even as public officials make plans to gradually reopen parts of the economy for business, Andrew Cuomo said Friday. Cuomo and other governors across the nation are desperate to loosen restrictions and reopen businesses that were shuttered to help curb the outbreak that's already killed more than 33,000 people in the US since emerging from Wuhan, China less than four months ago. Quote, The situation we have now is unsustainable. People can't stay in their homes for this length of time. They can't stay out of work. You can't keep the economy closed forever. You just can't, Cuomo said. Society can't handle it personally or economically. So now we're moving into another phase, which is the reopening phase. On Thursday, Cuomo announced that he was extending the state's shutdown of non-essential businesses to May 15th as officials try to strike a delicate balance between uh, a balance of getting people back to work, without causing cases to spike again. Cuomo said people have had a nice break, but they are anxious to get out of the house and get back to work without getting sick and dying. Death is bad. And even though staying at home and not getting a paycheck is bad, it's not as bad as death. That's the yin and the yang here. While the hospitals in New York aren't as overwhelmed with coronavirus cases as originally predicted, Cuomo said the state is far from claiming victory. So I I, I get it. We're still seeing many more people come to the hospitals. But where's the apology? You know, Donald Trump said, I don't need to send 40,000 ventilators to to New York. Well, Trump was right. I'm not going to sit here and pretend it was the right decision to not give them ventilators. Maybe it would have made sense to give them an important buffer. But perhaps many of these ventilators needed to go to other states which have yet to see the peak of the coronavirus infections, in which case Trump was right. It was the right decision. We can see now that after all said and done, maybe it was a risky move or not. Governor Cuomo does not need all these ventilators. And we've seen uh, the, the graphics. Check this out. This one, I believe, is from this morning. I'm not. I believe so. Yes. And you can see at the recent press conference, it looks like the apex has hit and we are going down in terms of total hospitalizations. They are seeing a net negative intubations, meaning more people are coming off of ventilators than are going on them, which means they didn't really need that many. So again, you can argue it all day and night. But let me show you how the media plays this game. I love this. I, I love. I love this. Okay. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. USA Today on April 1st said this. Fact check. Does New York have a stockpile of thousands of unneeded ventilators? Question mark. Curious. I wonder who was pushing the idea that New York had unneeded ventilators. It would seem, as they often do with fact checks, they added this extra word, unneeded. I don't see the majority of high profile personalities challenging Cuomo saying he didn't need the ventilators he had. They were saying he didn't need the ventilators he was asking for because he had not yet used the ones in his stockpile. And because of this unneeded word, you can see how the how USA Today has concluded false. While it is true that New York maintains a stockpile of ventilators not in use, it is incorrect that these machines are unneeded. The current number of ventilators deployed in the state are enough to meet the increase, increased challenge that COVID-19 poses to the health care system. That said, healthcare professionals fear that the increasing number of cases could quickly overwhelm the system. Current stockpiles are meant to address that future need, though projections vary on whether that supply will be enough. We rate this claim as partly false because some of it was not supported by our research. Partly false. They could have said mostly true, right? This is how the media manipulates you into thinking that the president is wrong. Cuomo said we need tens of thousands of ventilators. Trump sent, I believe, around four to five thousand. Ultimately, they had around ten thousand. They didn't need more than that. Fact check here. This fact check, I fact check as false. Nobody was arguing that they didn't need the ones they had in the stockpile. They were arguing that he hadn't even used the ones he had. Why should we send more to just dump them in a stockpile? You can't trust the media, man. You can take a look at how they they treat Dr. Phil, smearing him, while while meanwhile, governors are saying the exact same thing. Well, Trump and Cuomo are still battling over the funding to the states. This is as of today. The Hill reports, President Trump and New York Governor Cuomo on Friday sparred over additional federal assistance for states as they try to ramp up their respective COVID-19 testing. This is part of a series of tweets that Donald Trump has put out, where he basically pointed this out, the point I was making. Governor Cuomo should spend more time doing and less time complaining. Get out there and get the job done. Stop talking. We built you thousands of hospital beds that you didn't need or use, gave large numbers of ventilators that you should have had, and helped you with testing that you should be doing. We have given New York far more money, help, and equipment than any other state, and by far. And these great men and women who did, this, did, uh, did the job never hear you say thanks. Your numbers are not good less talk, more action. I highlight this just to point out, Trump is calling out Cuomo saying, we gave you all of these things. You didn't need them. It's rather fascinating though. You know, Trump's approval rating has taken a bit of a dip in certain polls. It's still actually higher than it's been for the most of his presidency. But you have all of these governors critical of the president demanding more and more resources when it turns out they had substantially more than they actually needed. Cuomo says New York's new net hospitalizations hit low. Since coronavirus pandemic. And that was on the ninth. How are we still having this conversation? Now, listen, it might be a little, uh, a little presumptive, maybe a little too early to declare victory on the coronavirus cases in New York. It's possible that as Andrew Cuomo slowly starts to reopen the economy, things may actually get worse. We may see more hospitalizations and thus they may actually need more ventilators. But I'm going to go ahead and make the bet at least for now, it seems not to be the case. While I can't predict it with absolute certainty, I can't say if they are taking people off of the ventilators more than they're putting them on, if they slowly reopen the economy and they do see another you know, reemergence of more uh, hospitalizations, it seems like they'll have more ventilators sitting around. But you can see how the game is played, and they definitely want to make it seem like everything's worse than it's ever been. It will only get worse. But sure enough, the models we have seen from Cuomo and uh, have pr- have shown this time and time again. On the 5th, they were sh- Axios shows us this, this chart. We can see that the actual use, the purple line, dramatically lower than what they projected with social distancing. So how do we get to this point where then Dr. Phil claims shut down deadlier than coronavirus in wild Fox News appearance? How do we get to this point? Well, I'll tell you. I just criticized the media rather heavily. I'm going to show you some more insanity from even alternative or, or digital media. But if it comes from, a, from somebody on Fox, if it comes from the president, they will absolutely go nuts and completely ignore reality. They will use manipulative fact checking, adding words that change the context of what's being presented to trick you. And some people fall for it. Naturally, the people who distrust the media will probably find themselves on the right or whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, because clearly none of us are actually arguing policy. It makes no sense. I mean, take a look at the example, Cuomo and Trump, while they're bickering and disagreeing on certain things, Cuomo's praised Trump on other things. And they both kind of agree. Let's, let's both, let's reopen the economy. They agree on that, right? Then how do you have a conflicting narrative from the media? Because it's not about policy at all. It's about which tribe you are in. Will you recognize that Donald Trump was right about most of this stuff so far? Okay, then you're a Trump supporter. That's what they'll say about Dr. Phil. But Andrew Cuomo is a Democrat. So when he comes out and says basically the same thing, that people need to get back to work, we can't sustain this, well, they ignore it. They say nothing negative. How does? How, how, can you imagine what, the, what a regular person must be thinking? When they're watching the news, they're out of work, they're at home, 22 million people, they see Trump say it, and they go, huh. Then they see Andrew Cuomo say it, but the media you know smears the president for it. Well, right now, Donald Trump is supporting the protesters, the people who are demanding these states open up. Liberate! Trump tweets support of protests against stay-at-home orders. Yes, many people came out. Uh, Michigan being a very notable state because Michigan has the most the strictest lock the strictest lockdown orders of any other state. Governor Whitmer. Many people predict uh, or, or or suggest, I should say, that she's enforcing these very severe lockdown orders to generate attention because she may be. Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. Though many people say that she's actually hurting her chances because it's extremely controversial. It's hard to know for sure. But protesters came out and Donald Trump tweeted a series of tweets about liberating Minnesota, liberating Michigan, and liberating Virginia. Now, sure, Trump tweets things. I don't think this matters at all. But of course, because some of the protesters were armed, which is their Second Amendment right, Jen Kuger of the Young Turks snaps. And here's what we see. I, the reason I, I want to highlight this is because we've seen many progressives complain about the mainstream media. But what, listen, I can complain about the mainstream media lying about Trump and lying about you, Cenk Yuger of the Young Turks. They smeared you when you ran for Congress. They smear Bernie Sanders. But now when Trump tweets some silly things, Cenk goes completely off the rails. So if you want to complain about the press, I advise you to look into the mirror because you're right there with the rest of them. He tweeted this in response to Trump. This is incredibly dangerous. There are armed right-wing lunatics walking around the state capitol, and this fascist wannabe tells his deranged followers to liberate the state. Also destroys so-called three-step reopening plan with a siege of Democratic governors. Insanity. Oh, okay. So now that Trump has tweeted a plan, three-phase, to reopen the, 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 the economy, and he's telling the governors, do your thing, Jenk is now opposed to this reopening or or what Donald Trump has proposed. Okay, well, there's more. He says this is direct incitement of violence, especially at a time when people are very agitated. It's intolerable. Joe Biden has significant issues, but when you alt, uh, w- but when your art- alternative is this fascist madman, then you're cornered. There's no way to uh, there's no way not to vote for Biden. And there it is. Give Jenk an excuse to support Joe Biden, a man that can't speak, a man that was rejected by the progressive left and Bernie Sanders supporters. The DSA across the board saying don't vote for Biden. Well, you need some way to justify it if you want to pander to the establishment, right? Well, there you go. Donald Trump tweets, liberate Virginia and save your great Second Amendment. It is under siege. What does that even mean? How are you going to blame the president for tweeting a silly opinion? Guess what? People are allowed to have opinions. Now, of course, Jank and many people like him operate under the assumption or, or the impression that you are responsible for what other people do if you voice your opinion. And I think it's fair to say within reason, with, with great power comes great responsibility. But come on, man, are we gonna blame every single person for what other people do? We can't do it. But of course, Jank then takes it to the logical conclusion. He said, if anyone commits violence against officials in Michigan," Minnesota or Virginia. Real Donald Trump should be impeached again. I'm not joking. He clearly incited violence. He's a deranged madman. And we have to get him out of office before he does more damage. This is unprecedented. Why? Because Trump is bombastic. You know what, man? There, There's always some excuse to pretend like Donald Trump is wo- the worst thing on the planet. And it seems like I mentioned earlier, okay? Cuomo and Trump should be proof enough to you. It's not about policy at all. And what Jen Kuger is doing here shows it as well. It's just about tribe. Listen, man, I'm willing to have a conversation about reopening the governments. I'm willing to, uh, I'm sorry, reopening the economy. I'm willing to have a conversation about whether what Governor Whitmer do, uh, d- did is right or wrong. Should the economy be shut down initially? Well, the answer is simply Yes. Donald Trump, you know, uh, you'll notice there's a lot of subjects I don't actually get into when it comes to tribal bickering, because I don't much care for either tribe. I'm not here to defend you just based on what you say your title is. I care about what makes sense and what is going to work. Governor Whitmer locked down Michigan to a rather absurd degree. There was some concern for many people that they couldn't actually buy gardening supplies, notably seeds. While this was technically correct, it was difficult to buy in many areas because parts of stores were shut down. Governor Whitmer banned uh, other things, like you can't even go to other residences that you actually have access to, and it was considered to be one of the strictest lockdown orders in the country. Now, people are protesting this. It's interesting to me that when it comes to principle, Jenk Uygur will call Donald Trump a fascist, meanwhile, completely ignoring the government taking away your First Amendment right to protest, to gather, free speech, and freedom to worship. How could Trump be the fascist when he's calling for liberation? Isn't that the weirdest thing ever? It shows you that it's not really about freedom, fascism. It's just a, I don't like this tribe. Jenk Uygur doing the exact same thing the media did to him. They play politics, they play tribe. So long as Jenk, the Young Turks and his other leftists are standing behind the establishment left, they're left alone. Once Bernie Sanders stands up, then he gets torn to shreds. Once Jan Guger challenges the establishment Democratic politician in his district, he gets torn to shreds. So what does he do? He falls in line. I find it rather sad because, you know, he had a real opportunity to stand up and call it the media and the lies that actually hold him back. But I guess as we've seen from the Young Turks and many media outlets, the money is just too good. There's a reason why they're not calling out Andrew Cuomo. Well, he's a Democrat, And he's popular. And they're not really expecting to get a Cuomo bump. I mean, the reality is no one really cares about Andrew Cuomo. Maybe there's the partisanship. A lot of people, uh, you know, uh, Alyssa Milano, for instance, said that he was America's president. Sure. The establishment types are lining up Cuomo for a presidential run in 2024. It's not going to happen now. It might at the last minute. Apparently, he won't be the vice president for Biden. We'll see how things play out. But they're protecting him for political reasons. It's also because the money just isn't there. One of the biggest motivators for media is whether or not by putting out this nonsense, they will get clicks. And guess what? When it comes to Cuomo, it ain't gonna happen. Most of the country does not care about the governor of New York. But Donald Trump is the president. So they can light up certain portions of the population by saying Trump is bad. They'll ignore what Cuomo is doing. Over in New York, they'll praise him. Democratic operatives and activists will praise Cuomo for doing literally the same thing that Donald Trump has done or suggested. Then they'll claim that Trump is the fascist for saying the government shouldn't be locking things down. It's very, very backwards. Let me tell you about principle. The reality is we have a constitution shall not be infringed. The government shall make no law infringing upon, etc., etc. Yet we've seen across the country, many states do just that. Should Trump be tweeting, liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia? Honestly, what does it even mean? And who cares? He's calling for people to defend the constitutional rights to freedom. Fine. Many of these governors actually agree they should be reopening things anyway. So it's just Trump making stupid tweets that don't matter. A lot of people are going to like them. They're going to say, here, here, Donald Trump, fine. So then what's, what's, what's the criticism? Nothing. Nothing but tribe. You see, when it comes to some of these lockdowns and it comes to the press and it comes to the attack on Donald Trump, they're actually talking about this in a political context. They're saying that Trump is only targeting these states because they're Democrat run and because he's ultimately trying to make Governor Whitmer, Gretchen Whitmer look bad because she could be the vice president for Joe Biden. That's always the game, isn't it? That Trump is doing things as part of this re-election nefarious plot. Has it ever occurred to them that maybe Donald Trump is just impulsive? Oh, they claim they know it. But then everything he does must have some secret 4D chess thing. This is what I love about the anti-Trump smears. You've got Trump supporters saying that Donald Trump is playing 4D chess. Every move he makes is a secret calculation well beyond what the Democrats are doing. And I actually kind of agree with this in a lot of ways. I don't think Trump is always thinking ahead. But as I've said in the past, Trump is playing chess. Democrats are playing checkers. It doesn't mean that he's got a plan for everything he's doing. But it does seem like there are certain things he's done that have been strategic, notably when he puts out offensive tweets about, say, the squad, Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar, etc. It distracted from a, uh, an asylum rule change, a rather drastic one, and nobody said anything about it. People, it was funny seeing the activists tweet like, hey, why aren't we tweeting about this asylum rule change? Oh, because everybody was calling Trump naughty words because he said naughty words on Twitter. Seems like there's real strategy there. The funny thing about this is the Democrats on the left will come out and say, Trump's not not playing 4D chess. Trump's a moron. And then when it comes to what Trump is doing with Ukraine or with Gretchen Whitmer, it's a secret 4D chess plan for re-election. Which is it? Is Trump a bumbling moron or, isn't he author- or, or is he an authoritarian mastermind working on a secret plot to get re-elected? It can't be both, but certainly that's what they're trying to claim whenever it's convenient. Trump's a moron. Trump's a mastermind. Trump, why is he criticizing Governor Whitmer? Because everybody knows she's going to be, she's potentially going to be Joe Biden's VP. So Trump's trying to discredit her and smear her and make her look bad before she gets chosen. Why was Trump trying to investigate what was going on with Ukraine and Joe Biden? Clearly it was because he knew Joe Biden would be the nominee and he was trying to preempt this and make him look bad. Even though at the time, Secret audio was released showing Trump was worried about Bernie Sanders, and Bernie Sanders actually ended up becoming the the frontrunner for a short period of time. No, I'm sorry. It's always just about Trump being the absolute mastermind. Well, I'll tell you what. You wanna know why there's good reason to challenge these lockdowns? It's not because Gretchen Whitmer might be uh, VP. Even Newsweek is saying she's taking a major political price for this. It could be bad for her. It's because of things like this. Phil, uh, This is Phil Kirpin who said, tweeting out this story. This paper from China reviewed over 7,000 cases from 320 cities. Their conclusion, home outbreaks were the dominant category. We identified only a single outbreak in an outdoor environment, which involved two cases. This was replicated by other studies in, I believe, uh, in the West, outside of China. The reason I say that is because I don't trust China. What they found was that Indoor environments, homes, and offices had the highest likelihood of transmission. Makes a lot of sense. There's much less things to touch. More sur- or There's a lot more surface area in a confined space. When you're outside, what are you going to do? Touch the same piece of grass or air? So sure enough, you have people rightly pointing this out, saying perhaps banning people from going to parks and going paddleboarding is is well the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be encouraging people to be outside as much as possible, just not in offices or in homes. But of course, they lock everything down, make everybody stay home. Then people transmit this to their family members. As much as I don't trust Chris Cuomo, he's now saying that his wife has contracted COVID. So when it comes to someone like, say, South Dakota governor, Kirstie Gnomes, she gets slammed. The Washington Post writes South Dakota is becoming the biggest hotspot. They demand she lock things down. And there are several Republican governors who are saying, we're just not going to do it. This is really strange to me. But I think there's a real risk here. If the media can only ever criticize someone based on the perceived otherness of the person, like not the policies you're enacting, but just you are the other, therefore you're the worst thing possible, then the only outcome I can imagine is civil conflict of some sort. I don't know what to expect. But I will tell you this as we wrap up this segment. Donald Trump didn't give all of those ventilators to New York and he was slammed for it. And now it turns out New York didn't need them. And Trump, once again, will be slammed for pointing this out. We will not see a media establishment come out and say Trump was right about New York's need for ventilators. They will say it doesn't matter if if Cuomo didn't end up using them. Trump was reckless and risked everyone's lives, blah, blah, blah. What do you expect? The media doesn't smear or slam Cuomo when he says the same things. So how are we supposed to navigate what's really going on right now? I honestly have no idea. It's very confusing. I'm told by YouTube there are things I can't talk about while the Washington Post talks about them. I guess we'll just do our best. I appreciate you all watching videos like this, and I'll leave it there. Stick around; the next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com/slash/TimCastNews. It is a different channel, and I'll see you all then. Whether or not any of these people want to accept it, Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. Now, I know it's supposed to be a silly phrase, kind of an insult, but it's real. It's when seemingly normal, rational people lose all rational thought and become paranoid at the sight or thought of Donald Trump. It's existed for other people, but right now, it's causing serious harm to our country. Dare I say, it could be extremely destructive, and I don't know how you cure it. But one of the best examples is this story. Just the other day, Dr. Phil appeared on The Laura Ingraham Show saying, we have to consider what the the shutdown is going to do to us in the long long run. uh, If we have the economy shut down for a long enough period of time, it will eventually become so destructive, it will be worse than what the coronavirus could or would have done. And he's 100% correct. And he approaches a bit of it from a psychologist's perspective. Now, immediately, people started coming out saying Dr. Phil's not a real doctor. Uh, Dr. Phil has a PhD, he's a clinical psychologist. So yes, doctor. No, I mean, if you if you want to say he's not a medical doctor, that's fine. But they're acting like simply because he has a PhD, he's pretending he's a medical doctor. But the most the the, the craziest thing so far is that Mediaite actually argues that Doctor Phil and Doctor Oz are making pro-Trump arguments for arguing that the economy needs to be reopened. They're right. Miles long lines at food banks. Some that we've already heard stories of suicides. This is not this is not good. Okay we have to consider the very difficult reality, the very difficult possibility that no matter what we do, things will get bad. But Dr. Phil is correct. And I'm not a big fan of the guy. I don't know much about him or care. But you look at these stories, this one from the Washington Post, and you can see how Trump derangement syndrome guides the the, the media's reporting. And it's driving a subset of this country into a paranoid, delusional state. I'm not exaggerating. The story from the Washington Post does everything in its power to deride and frame this as though Dr. Phil is a moron and that Dr. Fauci is the foremost expert on all things lockdown. He's not. Dr. Fauci is a medical doctor. I trust the guy. I think he's smart. I like what he has to say. I think we should we should listen to him. But you got to understand Dr. Fauci is not an economist, a politician, a tradesman. He doesn't know exactly what's going to be, be the long term effects of a lockdown. What he can tell you is what will happen if we release the lockdown. That's great. Thanks for your advice, Dr. Fauci. Now I'll turn to the economic experts. Dr. Phil, also not an economic expert, but he's making a generalist point. And he also brings up the psychological harm that people will be faced by this. So if you want to talk about where he is an expert, if he says people are suffering, they're lonely, it's going to cause mental anguish and damage that can be very severe for a long time. Okay, we will consider the expertise of Dr. Phil. The Washington Post says, after Fauci urged caution in reopening the economy, Fox News turned to Dr. Phil for a second opinion. Turned to Dr. Phil, Fox News shows shows Dr. Fauci all the time. They bring, some, bring they bring on tons of opinions. This, is this what is this? The morning mix from the Washington Post. They don't tell us whether or not it's an opinion piece, which it is. They say after Anthony S. Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease expert explained the White House's new guidelines for states to slowly reopen their economies in a three-phase process. Fox News host Laura Ingram sought another opinion later in the show, an opinion that agreed with Dr. Fauci? This is so so ridiculous. So for those that aren't aren't uh, aren't aware, Donald Trump and his administration has released a three-phase reopening plan. The administration envisions meeting the criteria each time a locality progresses through three phases. This includes the advice of Dr. Fauci, And for some reason, the media, they, they, well, I shouldn't say for some reason, I get it. It's Trump derangement syndrome. If Trump says it, it's wrong. Even if Dr. Fauci agrees with the president, which is why I think they've tried really, really hard to make this rift between Fauci and Trump, which there, which there isn't. And Dr. Fauci actually said at one point, I wish the media would stop doing this. Well, the problem is the public likes Dr. Fauci. So when he comes out and says something, and it might diverge a bit from the president, the media goes, now's our chance. Because as long as Dr. Fauci is saying it, we can't criticize the president. So we have to create a rift and make it seem like they completely disagree on everything. Fauci said they're on the same page. Fauci is approaching it from a medical standpoint, Trump, from a political and economic standpoint. Here's what the Washington Post writes. They say she turned to Phil McGraw, better known as Dr. Phil, television psychologist to the masses. He acknowledged the novel coronavirus is killing Americans, more than 33,000 as of early Friday but also wondered why the economy would shut down over the pandemic, but continues to function as people die from lung cancer, car crashes, and pool drownings. They then add in parentheses, unlike coronavirus, none of the causes of the death listed by Dr. Phil are contagious. It's a fine argument, okay? Are you here to make an argument, Washington Post, or to tell us what's going on? This is a big problem with media right now. I have no problem with opinion pieces or columns or analysis. But when you present these articles and nowhere does it say opinion analysis, people think it's just the news and many people can't tell the difference. Quote, we don't shut the country down for that, said Dr. Phil, after he cited inaccurate statistics on accidental deaths. Yet we are doing it for this and the fallout is going to last for years because people's lives are being destroyed. So you want to say his stats are wrong? I think Dr. Phil was kind of just making generalized points, but apparently his numbers are wrong. Fine. Okay. Calm down. How about his other his second statement is correct? People's lives are being destroyed. They say the conflicting views, one from the most qualified source available on topic, and the other from a talk show host with questionable credentials. Excuse me? He's a clinical psychologist. What do you mean he's got a PhD? Okay, Dr. Fauch is a medical doctor, and Dr. Phil is giving his thoughts. Why is he being singled out by this? It's very strange. You know why? Because the guy was created essentially by Oprah. And all of a sudden now he's making a, he's making a point that lines up too much with Donald Trump. As if, this, this is the danger of Trump derangement syndrome. Donald Trump could come out and say, we have a potential treatment. It's called hydroxychloroquine. Other countries are using it. And what will the media do? Don't do it. Don't take the medicine. It's bad. It's dangerous. Side effects. There are even some celebrities that took it and it uh, it helped the symptoms subside and they, and they survived. And Now they're saying, oh, but the side effects are so bad. What do you mean? you lived. It helped, right? Anecdotal evidence so far suggests these medications are helpful, and many countries have been using them. There have been some some side effects, of course. Why would the media try to reject a potential treatment when other countries are already using it? You know why? Trump derangement syndrome. It's going to get us killed. Here's what they say. Oh, yes. uh, Questionable credentials, right? highlighted again how expert advice on the novel coronavirus has frequently been undermined by celebrity doctors with little to no infectious disease experience. What the Washington Post is doing here is a framing device. It's a way to make you reject what Donald Trump is saying, because they've framed it in such a way that the only possible outcome is a medical one. I know most of you have probably heard me said it, say it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure it's very clear to everybody. Maybe you've not seen, not everybody who watches, you know, my, my content watches every single video. If there is no economy, if people can't eat, they will die. They will riot. Society will break down. If people get sick with the coronavirus, they will die. And if it gets really bad, then social order breaks down as well. They're both happening. Having a conversation about the importance of non-medical, uh, uh, you know, non-medical circumstances is extremely important. It would be like your house burning down But you know your basement's flooding, so there's some people saying like, I can't believe they're talking about putting a fire out right now when the basement's flooding. It's like, wait, wait, wait. They're both happening. We have two problems right now. Although it'd be kind of funny if a house was burning and flooding at the same time. You get the point I'm trying to make. There can be more than one problem, or better yet, I'll give you a better analogy. It would be like your house is on fire, and so you're, you're you're talking to the people saying the structural integrity of the building might go down. And, and it doesn't make sense that we're ignoring this. You can't just send people in, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's a fire. And then I, oh, these, these experts on architecture are complaining about a building that's on fire. Bring in the fire experts. It's, dude, there, there could be multiple problems caused by one thing. The fire results in structural integrity loss. Let's read a little bit more. Fauci. What, what do they say? Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease and a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force urged a cautious, a cautious approach on Ingram's show Thursday night. His advice was quickly undercut by Dr. Phil in a following segment when he argued states should reopen their economies, even if lives might be, lost to the, to the, uh, might be lost to the virus to prevent anxiety and depression. Yes, if 50 million people are suffering from anxiety and depression, your social order breaks down. So there is a certain point where we have to, under, we have to, we have to challenge. We have to question the full damage wrought by economic collapse versus the virus. Amen. I'll be the first to admit that's a, that's a terrifying uh, predicament. What I also find really funny is how they've kind of let the mask slip over at the Washington Post. What's that you say? That you actually had Dr. Fauci on to give his opinion. And then you had another guy on to talk about the merits of the economy and depression. And somehow that's a bad thing. Amazing the media no longer believes in entertaining various ideas. Oh, they'll argue, but Dr. Phil is not qualified. He's a clinical psychologist. He's giving you his perspective based on how people will react to this. I think that is actually one of the most, one of the best people you could have for this. Now, maybe there's a better clinical psychologist who could speak to this. But talking about the mental effect on human beings of this mass lockdown, I think is really important, especially how the, the coronavirus is affecting people's mentality. People are dying from the coronavirus. He said, I get that. Then he launched into his theories about what might happen if people don't return to work and school soon. In doing so, he cited incorrect statistics and repeated talking points Fauci and other experts have disputed. Sure, fine. Fauci also gave incorrect information in the past. We're, We're dealing with people of varying degrees of expertise in various areas, and I have no problem with it. Dr. Fauci's expertise, he's a medical doctor, infectious disease expert. He can't tell us anything about the economy. But sure enough, here's what we get. Mediaite rides, writes, Morning Joe. Oh, so it's not just media, it's MSNBC too. Chides Fox News for booking medical experts, Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. Medical experts. Maybe, I don't, maybe that's not the right way to phrase it, Mediaite. Here's what they say. The set of Morning Joe took aim at Fox News as medical experts and strongly suggested that booking Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil were irresponsibly offering quackery over sound advice. In the, 20, in the past 24 hours, the two television doctors made curious comments about the incidence of coronavirus in the context of balancing the public health risk presented by the spread of COVID-19 and the urgent desire to reopen a suddenly cratered economy. Dr. Oz cited an article that stated that reopening schools would only lead to an increase in 2 to 3% mortality, which was widely interpreted in a manner that Dr. Oz later explained was not intended in a follow-up apology video. And Dr. Phil made the nakedly specious more people die from automobile accidents claim co-host Joe Scarborough mocked the ostensibly pro-Trump medical experts. What? (laughs) I didn't know Dr. Phil was the biggest Trump supporter, but sure, send the MAGA MAGA hat. Dr. Phil, please put it on. Apparently, if you think the economy needs to be reopened because there's going to be psychological damage and economic damage and potential loss of life for this, you must be a Trump supporter. This is the problem with politics right now, man. Can we have an honest conversation about what should or should not be in our government? The answer is no. Because if Donald Trump says something like, here's medicine, and you say, that's interesting, Trump, I would like to learn more about this medicine, they will scream, you're pro-Trump. Why? If if I see an article that says, you know, the sky is blue, and then Trump reads the same article, and and, and then are they going to come to me and say, oh, you you agree with Donald Trump? That's what they're doing. I kid you not. If you go over to like my Wikipedia page, for instance, there's there's a section where it's like Tim Pool's views often align with conservatives on like social media censorship and immigration or whatever. And I'm like, "Uh, actually, when it comes to immigration, I've cited Bernie Sanders, uh, like Chuck Schumer, uh, Hillary Clinton. You you, you get the point. They're framing everything not as a policy debate, but as a tribal debate. Policy is gone. It doesn't matter anymore. If Trump says, you know, uh, people need to eat. They'll say, do people really need to eat? Because it's not about what's true. It's about what's tribal. But let me show you the terrifying reality. Business Insider reports 17 hours ago, and I've shown many of these stories. Hungry Americans are waiting in miles long lines as food banks struggle to keep up with demand. Here's a look at how the rising unemployment and dwindling volunteer pools are impacting US food pantries. They mention unemployment skyrocketing, more than 16.8 million Americans have filed for unemployment in the past three weeks, and now it's up to 22 million. Get with the Times, Business Insider. This is a story from a couple weeks ago. In New York, which is the highest number of confirmed uh, COVID cases in the US, food pantries have declared a national emergency, wow, as they buckle under the weight of demand and a lack of volunteers. According to the NYC Mission Society, an organization uh, dedicated to fighting multi-generational poverty, food pantries are experiencing a 60% increase in demand for volunteers as several fall ill or opt to stay at home for fear of contracting the virus. A man leads a food bank in prayer. Here we can see with volunteer pools decreasing dramatically, food pantries have been left with skeleton crews. Remaining volunteers in New York unload boxes of food in Manhattan last week. We have seen miles long lines in various states Chaos erupted at one Mississippi food bank when people couldn't get access to food because they demanded that you pre-register. Now, we're not at the point necessarily where the people line up for food banks and then riot. But I'll tell you what, man, the store the other day over where I live, barren, surprisingly barren. So we weren't able to get some. We weren't able to get what we wanted to get. We were ultimately able to find some uh, some things, but it was harder than it's been in a long time. I don't know if this is because, you know, some people have said Trump bucks, Tim. You know, the Trump bucks hit everyone's bank account. They went out and they bought up all the food. Boom. It's all gone. Perhaps. But what is also true is the supply chain has been completely disrupted and upended. So these stores are running out of supplies. They're not being replenished. You see, when the first wave of panic buying hit and the stores got cleared out, people said, oh, no, there's no more TP. There's no more food. What they didn't understand is that the trucks are en route. Bringing the new supplies. They'd already been made. They are being shipped to the stores. So the stores had a restock en route. After those supplies got depleted, the supply chain was disrupted. And now, a a month or two later, guess what? The shelves are starting to become empty. I really do hope you, you guys have prepared. You know, I've done some promos for stuff, and a lot of people have bought it, and a lot of people have laughed. But now we're at a point where I'm telling you what, man, you can make fun of Dr. Phil, you can make fun of Dr. Oz, you can make fun of Trump all day and night. And then how. How, how will you ignore this? In an effort to prevent person-to-person contact and increase efficiency, many locales have transitioned to drive-through food banks like Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank in Duquesne, Duquesne uh, Pennsylvania. I'm hoping i pronouncing that right. In Irving, Texas, cars lined up a mile down the road to collect groceries. In Pittsburgh, mobs of cars lined up for boxes of food. In Los Angeles, cars spanned several miles they 're ignoring this, you know why can 't we have a sane rational discussion about what 's going on? Trump derangement syndrome man, you know I, I understand that if you watch my content, you know i 'm often pointing the finger at the media and, and criticizing them, often the Democrats, but i 'm not doing it because i 'm part of a tribe i 'm not doing it because I like the president or like any conservatives i 'm doing it because this is happening. I can give credit and respect to all the people working in the food banks, and I can recognize this exists. But the people in media right now don't care about what's actually going on. They want to write you up a story where they're like Dr. Phil with questionable credentials. I don't care. He made a point. Argue the point. They're not. They're arguing the person. Ostensibly pro-Trump arguments. What does Trump have to do with these food banks? Nothing. Donald Trump isn't running these food banks. Donald Trump isn't providing food or taking food away. These are the localities that have already been set up why are people now rushing to these food banks to get food? Because the economy was shut down. 22 million people just filed unemployment claims. It's probably substantially worse. Guess what? The Democrats had the opportunity to increase the pay, uh, uh, the funding for the Paycheck Protection Program. And they said no, because they wanted some ideological gains. Nancy Pelosi couldn't even explain why she obstructed it in a phone call. It's almost like they want Trump to win. Now, I assure you next week, we are going to see another massive increase in unemployment numbers. Maybe they're thinking by doing this, Donald Trump will lose because unemployment is so bad. But I don't think people are going to blame the president because of the pandemic. And, and it's not like they can't tell that the Democrats are doing this. But hey, maybe it's a last ditch effort. Maybe it's, maybe it's complete desperation. Maybe the reason the media is doing this is because they want Trump to lose. I don't know. I can speculate. I think it mostly has to do with the Trump bump. The orange man must be bad no matter what. See, they've all wrapped themselves up into this fake reality. And I feel like secretly they all know Trump isn't really that bad, but they're scared to say it because they think everyone else will attack them if they admit it. In private, I'd be willing to bet you'll find these people saying like, oh yeah, I know he's not that bad. But in public, they're scared. No, no, no. He must be the worst. Yeah. You end up with these stories being ignored. Dr. Phil made a point. Now we can talk about psych psychology, trauma, depression, loneliness, there have been suicides and it's it's really heartbreaking. I I don't want to pull them up because I think these people deserve their privacy, their families and everything. But what do we do about this? What what are we supposed to do if we can't get an honest conversation about the problems affecting American the American people? While the media is reporting, obviously I'm looking at a news article from Business Insider reporting on these food li- on these on these food lines. What we're not seeing is the honest conversation about what Dr. Phil said. Maybe they should write a story saying, Dr. Phil says the economy should be reopened. While some of his stats were incorrect, there's an interesting point to be made that there are major food banks and people are going hungry. Perhaps an honest person would say, how do we minimize loss of life and protect our systems? I'll tell you what, if the economy tanks, there won't be any nurses or doctors. There won't be a medical system. You have to realize these nurses and doctors need food too. And what happens when they get their paychecks cut? What happens when the hospitals say, we can't pay you? Will the government have to just step in and provide emergency food, government cheese to these doctors? No, I, I'd be willing to bet you're going to see doctors and nurses say, I quit because I have to take care of my friends and my family first. Because at a certain point, there's no resources for us. That is the problem with pe- these people don't understand. The medical system is, is part of the economy. You can't just, it's not in a vacuum. It's not a magic bubble of a floating hospital in the sky. They need food. They need supplies. If people can't make food, the hospitals don't get food either. What do you think comes next? More loss of life. The cure cannot be worse than the disease. Social distancing makes sense to a certain point. I'm not the expert, but I do believe an honest conversation makes sense. In the end, if you say half of what I said about an honest conversation, they'll just call you like Dr. Phil, Ostensibly pro-Trump. Uh, you know what? That is absolutely psychotic. It's not even a policy. It is not a policy position or a pro or anti anyone position to say people need food. I'll leave it there. I'll see you all in the next segment coming at one coming up at one p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. You know, I often criticize the media, but I think it's particularly bad this week or in the past couple of weeks. I've never seen it this bad. Literally. CNN writing Chinese propaganda, pretending it's news, and then quietly trying to change it when they get caught doing it. Well, this is the lead story. Egregious and audacious, CNN's big China screw up is part of a much more insidious problem, experts say. Let me tell you something about Fox News. They got some personality hosts, late night, people like Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity. And if you're into, you know, partisan opinion commentary, you'll like their shows, assuming you agree with their opinions for the most part. If you like the same kind of content, but you're on the left, you'll probably find yourself watching MSNBC and to a certain extent CNN as well, because let's admit it. you know, Don Lemon is basically an anti-Trump personality. But during the day, Fox News has regular news reporting. It's kind of boring, and I mean that in a good way. CNN, however, is just incessantly orange man bad. And I, I, you know, one of the craziest things I've seen so far is one of their media reporters. I went to look at his Twitter because I'm like, I, I, I'm willing to bet the only thing the dude has tweeted about is Fox News. And lo and behold, Oliver Darcy of CNN has only tweeted about Fox News. Granted, he's retweeted other things. And I think he tweeted once about like OAN, but it's like all Fox News. How do you make a living as a critic reviewer of just Fox News? I have no idea. But that's CNN for you. Meanwhile, while he's saying, can you believe what Fox News said? I'm over here paradoxically making or ironically making fun of them for something similar. But I want to point out the segment is not just about CNN. We've got a fact check from the Washington Post, which is fake you know, Donald Trump criticized the World Health Organization for giving us, you know, misinformation, and they claimed he got it wrong and he's, he's lying or it's false, which is ridiculous, which brings me to the main point about all of this. And I want to make sure I read you how CNN is just propping up Chinese propaganda. The issue I see is, you know, there are reasons to criticize Fox News. I criticize, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of their opinion, people, the same as I'm, an, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Don Lemon or Rachel Maddow. I know they're not all the same for sure. Fox News last year ran an anti-evolution segment, and I ragged on them too. But I'm willing to rag on everybody. I'll call it the Washington Post. I'll call out CNN. When you go to CNN's media reporters and the only thing they do is either rag on Trump or Fox News, that's when you need to realize it's a grift, okay? There's a bunch of different media outlets that have done things wrong, that do a terrible job, and Fox News is not unique in this regard. Fox News once ran a fake story, which even duped me, about Seth Rich. So yes, we can criticize them when they get things wrong. But if the only thing they're feeding you is Fox News bad, you got to wonder why they're not critical of all the other bad reporting that's come out of all the other other major news outlets. The Intercept for instance, Glenn Greenwald's outlet, they got no problem ragging on anybody, and I can respect that. Pointing out all of the ridiculously fake Russia gate news. Sure, if you turn on Fox, they'll be more defensive of the president. If you turn on CNN, they'll be more, you know, uh, offensive against the president. But we can call out everybody, right? Let's take a look at this story first, and then I'll show you how, uh, how the Washington Post is lying for some reason just to make Trump look bad. This is how bad it's really getting. It's insane. The Daily Caller says, experts uh, uh, say egregious and audacious CNN's big China screw up as part of a much more insidious problem. The network experienced almost, almost an immediate backlash April 13th when it published a story in which the main source was a press release from the Chinese People Liberation Army. Excellent journalism, guys. Stated clearly, CNN's article reporting the Chinese Navy, quote, had done a much better job controlling coronavirus than the US Navy, could hardly be told told apart from the PLA press release it cited it was almost an exact replica. Quote, there is a word for anyone who takes the word of an authoritarian regime with a long record of lying, whether it was President Trump praising China's clearly flawed response to coronavirus or U.S. media repeating clearly bogus PLA talking points. Fool. Peter Singer, a strategist and senior fellow at New America, told the Daily Caller. Early on in January, I believe it was, Donald Trump praised China's transparency. He was wrong to do so. Some supporters of the president said this was him trying to be diplomatic, and I can respect that it makes sense. Or it was also him just not realizing the scope because he was being lied to and he shouldn't have trusted China. You can criticize him for whatever you want. I don't think anybody here is perfect. While we can criticize the president, we got to point out the media straight up lying. Let me, let me tell you the difference. They like to say Trump is a liar, right? And sometimes Trump lies about really stupid things like weird cultural and personal stuff. I don't, I don't get But if he's wrong about China, he's just wrong. If China is lying and Trump was and believed them and then was wrong, well, that's just Trump being too trusting. Hey, criticize him for it. But when the media, like the Washington Post, writes a story like this, Trump's false claim that the World Health Organization said the coronavirus was not communicable. They then have this quote where Trump accurately points out that the World Health Organization just blindly believed fake information from China, and they give Trump three Pinocchios, it makes no sense. Because in the article, they actually have the evidence of the World Health Organization saying, preliminary evidence, no human human transmission. And that's what Trump was calling out. But they claimed Trump was fo- It's false. This is what the media does. I, don't, I When I say the media, I mean these activists who exist and infect media. Look, obviously, if you're going to talk to a journalist about what's happening on the ground in certain countries, you know, real reporters, real journalists on the ground will probably give you legitimate information. But when you come to political analysis, you get partisans who have infected these organizations for the sole purpose of pushing an agenda, or you have corrupt, unethical individuals who just want to make money with a grift. Certain people over at CNN who, for some reason, can only talk about Fox News. Well, back over at the story about CNN, they say, CNN's propaganda push was incredibly irresponsible and audacious, Rebecca Heinrichs at the Hudson Institute added. It is not an exaggeration to say that it is Chinese Communist Party propaganda, Heinrichs said of the article. While we're in the middle of this pandemic, there's multiple things going on at the same time. One of them is a fight for clarity and accurate information. And we know that the Chinese government is still propagating false information. And so for American media, to not look at anything that comes out of China very skeptically is so irresponsible. This is what I love about the media. They immediately distrust the president of the United States and they immediately trust the communist party of China. Come on, man. I think Trump is often full of it. He's a boastful braggart, but I'm gonna give the guy a little bit more trust than I'd give to China. I mean, not even a little bit. I give him an infinite more. Look, If Donald Trump came out and told me that he invented a new recipe for chocolate chip cookies, I'd be like, all right, I guess. If China came out and said Trump did not actually do this, I'd be like, I actually think Trump's like, I believe Trump more than I would believe communist China. Like, And and the cookie thing I'm using is like an absurd analogy. If the president comes out and says something, I have very little reason to believe anybody in the US government. But there's probably some morsel of truth. There's probably something there. And I'll tell you what, it's not, it's, it's not like I'm gonna look at them and say, I refuse to believe it. If China comes out and claims we have uh, no, no, new, no new cases of coronavirus, I'm gonna say, yeah, get out of here. The United States has been honest for the most part about the infections. Now, apparently China said, actually, we have 50% more than we previously reported. Oh, dude, shut up. We know you've got it bad. You've been running crematoriums like crazy. You're lying. How do we have a media apparatus in this country that repeatedly just says, how did China do such a good job? China reporting no new deaths, no new infections. How China succeeded in curtailing the virus. Are you kidding? They didn't. They're lying to you. Yet if Donald Trump comes out and says, you know, anything, the World Health Organization misled us. Actually, Trump, that's false. Because technically, Trump should have said that the World Health Organization was just getting bad information from China. Why? Why does he have to say that? Because he didn't give you like a play-by-play of literally everything. You call it false. But when China comes out and says everything's fine, you're like, you got it, China. You got it. Look, when CNN runs this PLA press release as a news story, you got to question what their motives are. I think it's probably incompetence and laziness. But you kidding me? You just took a press release from the Chinese Communist Party and wrote a news story about it? That's crazy. But when they blindly trust and choose to write stories acting as if the Chinese Communist Party is telling the truth, I really, really have to wonder their motivation, what their motivations are. Here's what they say. This is uh, the, the Rebecca again. She says, quote, I mean, the job of the media is to expose what is true, and they are very hyperactive on making sure they do that. You can be hypocr- uh, hypercritical of the US government. But then to turn around and go to copy and paste Chinese Communist Party propaganda when the stakes are so high is just incredibly audacious and shameful. But more importantly, it proves it. If anybody asks you, what makes you think the press is not trustworthy? Let me tell you this. We know the Chinese government is lying. Yet for some reason, the media will push their propaganda uncritically because it is counter to Donald Trump's statement. That's the most important thing. I'll tell you what. We have a tweet here. The World Health Organization. You've seen the tweet, many of you I know. That's why you watch content like mine because you're more in the know. Preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-human transmission of the novel coronavirus. That's a lie. The Associated Press reported that China knew this would be a pandemic on the fourteenth when they were tweeting this, and, and this is Eastern time, so it's basically like a day, half day behind. China knew and withheld the information. They knew they were facing a pandemic. They withheld the information. Well, because the media must always be orange man bad. They have now come up with this story. Trump's false claim that the WHO said it was uh, not communicable. Here's the quote from the president. The World Health Organization failed to investigate credible reports from sources in Wuhan that conflicted directly with the Chinese government's official accounts. There was credible information to suspect human to human transmission in December 2019 which should have spurred the World Health Organization to investigate and investigate immediately. Through the middle of January, it parroted and publicly endorsed the idea that there was not human-to-human transmission happening despite reports and clear evidence to the contrary. The World Health Organization pushed China's misinformation about the virus, saying it was not communicable. This is a quote from the president on April 14th. The facts, when we actually scroll down, they actually show us the World Health Organization tweet preliminary investigations, yada, yada. We know what it says. I read it for you. How could the Washington Post claim Trump's statement is false, but then actually include the statement from the World Health Organization saying there's no human, human transmission? Here's what they conclude. The Pinocchio test. Trump could have made a case that the World Health Organization was slow to speak firmly about the possible human-to-human transmission, but he puts the onus on the World Health Organization to investigate when it is largely dependent on information provided by member countries. Leave aside the fact that Trump kept praising China's China's transparency, blah, blah, blah. But Trump really gets over his skis when he claims the World Health Organization publicly endorsed the idea that there was not human to human transmission happening and that the World Health Organization said it was not communicable. The WHO said initially that there was no clear evidence. But by January 14th, a senior official said that they could not rule out human to human transmission given the experience with SARS. That statement was made only two weeks after the WHO first learned of the new virus. It's almost four Pinocchio, uh, a four Pinocchio claim, but not quite. The WHO could have highlighted the human-human transmission sooner than it did and pressed China for more information. Trump, of course, could have done the same and failed to do so for weeks longer. Trump earns three Pinocchios. What does the context of when Trump said any of this have to do with whether or not China was downplaying this and withholding information? What does the Washington Post? They write this story. What is it? When is the story from? A couple days ago. This is from today. They wrote this this morning. The Associated Press, for six days, China knew and withheld the information. Now, they're arguing that the Trump, uh, you know, the World Health Organization should, could have been clear, blah, blah. It's not their job to investigate. Hold on a second. If it's not their job to investigate, what do they do? Are they a bulletin board for the Chinese government? Can anybody just, you know, it's a corkboard on a wall at a cafe and they can walk up and put a piece of paper and say, no human human transmission. And that's all the World Health Organization is supposed to do. Or are they supposed to get studies and verify the claims? Perhaps I'm wrong. So if it is true that all the World Health Organization has to do is just repeat what they're told, then maybe Trump is right to not give them hundreds of millions of dollars. What is it like 800 million or some ridiculous number? Because I can't see what the point of their job is if that's the case. So I'm going I'm to drag Oliver Darcy on this one. You know, I I hate to be disrespectful, right? It's, it's this is a professional issue, not a personal issue. I'll make sure that clear because Oliver will probably will, will probably eventually see this. But I was trying to see if he had a take on this, right? Oliver is a frequent critic of the president, mostly Fox News. I mean, he almost exclusively tweets about Fox News, and I was curious if he would have a response or something on this. And I noticed something as I was scrolling through. First of all, his latest tweet is from Jared Holt. Jared Holt works for a political propaganda uh, firm called Right Wing Watch. Right Wing Watch is funded, I believe, by Americans for, it's it's called like Americans for the Progressive Way or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, basically the function of his job is he produces articles that justify donations for the parent organization. It's not a news outlet. It's an activist organization that raises money for progressive causes. I'm not saying that to be critical. I'm saying that's literally what they do. You can like it or you can hate it. Well, Oliver Darcy is a media reporter but he's retweeting activists. Okay, that's fine, I guess. Let's scroll down. Once again, he's retweeting Maggie Haberman, a a frequent critic of the president. This is all kind of fine to me that he's retweeting these things. I think people are allowed to have perspectives, points of view. If you look over at like Brian Stelter's Twitter, for instance, he's frequently ragging on Trump and and the media and stuff like that. And you know what? I got to admit, it's not too dissimilar to what I would say about the Democrats. So I'm fine if the guy's got a, a, a perspective and opinion. The only only issue I take, though, is that they're both supposed to to be reporters, not opinion people. I'm a political commentary guy. I do opinion. And you expect it of me. You go to my channel, you hear my opinion. Some people like to claim I'm not biased. Nah, that's not true. Of course I have my biases. I think certain things are good. Certain things are bad. That's just me. But why would the media reporters be just hyper-partisan pundits? Well, this is the the de-evolution of CNN. They're no longer doing news. They've just become- a YouTube channel, I guess. You know, you got Chris Cuomo doing reality TV at night, talking about how he's under quarantine when he's not really under quarantine. This is a fact. Look it up. Quar- uh, on, on Monday, he's going like, I'm sweating and I, I, I can't leave. I'm frustrated being stuck in this basement. And then turns out on the 12th, he was actually out with his family at some Hamptons property with no with no, no actual property. It was just like a, 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 a construction property. And he admitted to it. So CNN is still trying to pretend like they're doing reporting, but they're not. And that's one of the biggest issues. If you look at the tweets that actually came from Oliver Darcy, it's almost exclusively Fox News. Here we go. So we've got a bunch of retweets. Then you can see this one. Martha McCallum. Okay, there we go. Fox News. Here we go. Martha McCallum. Up there we go. Fox News. Up Fox News. Here we go. What's this? John Carl asks Trump some Fox personalities. Okay, there's Fox News. We scroll down. Andrew Cuomo tells Hannity. Ah, Fox News. You get the point. If CNN's media reporters want to talk about the Washington Post fact check, if they want to talk about the New York Times or some new technologies or some issues, I would totally understand your role as a media reporter. But I suppose it's fair to say that Oliver Darcy is not a media reporter. He is a pundit, although they say senior media reporter covering the intersection of media and politics, sometimes tech. Yeah, Oliver, no, that's not true. All of your tweets are about Fox News. If you want to look at my Twitter account and say all I do is tweet about whatever, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not considering myself to be a bastion of the most important journalism in the world. I'm not pretending to be a media reporter, although both of us do some journalistic work. There is, there is, so so the general idea of journalism is to collect and disseminate information. If you want to add opinion on top of it, you can call yourself a pundit, political commentary, and you can say to an extent, advocacy journalism, or there's journalism in there. That's fine. I got no problem with that but journalism is the last bit of what I'm doing. There are many stories where, where I will actually source information. I do a ton of every every day. So yes, I actually do journalism, but it's, it's, it's part of a bigger process of my opinion and political commentary. If you want to call me a journalist, I think it would be more fair to say political commentary with you know and journalism. You could say the same thing for Oliver Darcy. He should put political commentary, Fox News critic, media reporter. I believe that would be fair. The problem I have with this is that even if you wanted to say he was doing political commentary, the only thing he ever talks about is Fox News. And let me clarify something for you. It's interesting when I see people who are very critical of the work I do. If you only go to one of my four channels, what are you going to see? Well, on my main channel, frequently criticizing the media and the Democrats. Periodically, something about some social issue, Right? You know media, social justice issues. But frequently, the Democrats, the establishment, the media, sometimes critical of progressive policies in the far left, sometimes in support of them when they're being attacked by the media. You can say that channel is very focused on a, on a specific perspective. Right, I'm an opinion guy. If you then come to this channel, you'll see a bunch of different stuff me talking about, I I think I talked about aliens a couple months ago. I kind of moved all that stuff over. But I have a bunch of cultural issues talking about warfare, international relations. I've got issues pertaining to uh, protests and stuff like that, foreign protests, things, and and even celebrity culture and, uh, and, and marriage issues, feminism, dating. It's a wide range of things. I just consider myself a cultural and political commentator. And I do some journalism behind a lot of the political stuff that I do. But when you look to CNN, what do you get? The orange man is bad and Fox News is bad. That's it. It's one cable channel. I get it. They're big. But come on, man, you'd think as like a media reporter or as a news organization, you'd talk about other things. Certainly a media reporter could talk about a a new technological innovation or something. But going back several days, Oliver Darcy almost exclusively just tweets about Fox News, Fox's coverage, oh, here we go. Here's one American news, one America news. It's very obvious. We know here's one. Here's here's some retweeting Fox News, some right wing media personalities. Here we are encouraging Americans to protest. Oliver Darcy has the details. Is, is that is that it? Is that the bit funny how these people attack CNN and falsely suggest no one is watching and it has no influence, but also simultaneously really want the network to air their stuff. I, you know, perhaps I guess. oh, here he's tweeting about BuzzFeed tweeting about, I'm, I'm, well, I'm impressed. Okay, so there's some stuff. I'll be fair. Most of his tweets seem to be about Fox News, at least recently, but he has tweeted about other things. I'll, I'll be fair. Okay. But uh, I, I have to wonder, what's the point? Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy act like Fox News is the only network that exists. Is it because their opinion is different from yours? I don't see them routinely ragging on Brett Baer. In fact, many of them were praising Brett Baer. But anyway, look, I'm going to wrap this up because if I was going to rag on the media, it would just keep getting worse and worse and worse. Let me show you this one. This is a tweet I saw. This person tweeted these two stories from the New York Times. March 10th, 2017 from the New York Times. What happens when you fight a deep state that doesn't exist? The New York Times from October 21st. The deep state is alive and well. Okay, we get it. The media is full of lies. They're pumping out trash. If you want to criticize me for being a pundit, you're free to do so. If you want to criticize CNN for being pundits, you're also free to do so. But let's make one thing clear. My channels are me as an individual looking at stories and complaining about stuff frequently. Sometimes we talk about like fun things. Like we did a movie review on one of the on the the podcast stuff. So sometimes we have just look, I did I did a a segment the other day. It's one of one of my highest viewed segments. It's doing really well. And it's about conflict and crisis has nothing to do with the media and lies. It has to do with warships and stuff. So I talk about other things. Okay, so maybe they do, too. But my channel is me and my personal opinions. CNN is a major network that's supposed to be, as they claim, the most trusted name in news. But as we know, they recently got caught pumping out legitimate Chinese propaganda. And then you look to their media reporters are they ever going to talk about the fact that Chris Cuomo isn't under quarantine or that they put out multiple instances of Chinese propaganda? Of course not. They'll just complain about Fox News. What do you get from them other than confirmation bias? I don't know. So again, If you don't want to watch one person like me, you don't have to. If you don't want to follow one person like Oliver Darcy, you don't have to. But CNN is a major network and they use their infrastructure and their power to to get people banned and to complain about other news networks, notably just Fox News. Do you get the point? I'll leave it there. Without a healthy media, we're in trouble and we don't have one. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I I will add Trump derangement syndrome is going to get people killed. I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel. I'll see you there. Joe Biden has completely lost it. And when I saw this, this new clip, I admit I laughed. And then I started to get really angry when I saw the faces of Sanjay Gupta and Anderson Cooper, because these people are starting to really piss me off. Joe Biden is not there. His brain doesn't work. Stop doing this. It is disgusting what they are doing to this guy. I get it, man. It's all funny. Everybody laughs. Look at Joe Biden. He can't talk. He can't remember things. He's struggling to read notes and he can't even read. He's completely out of his mind. And I'm not saying that to to, to disrespect Joe Biden. I'm actually sympathizing at this point. This is elder abuse. I'm not trying to be funny. I mean that seriously to put this guy on TV. What the media does, they're basically arguing for something that doesn't exist. I'm seeing all these news articles pop up saying Joe Biden, here's what he thinks versus Donald Trump. Joe Biden doesn't think anything. He can't even talk on TV. He can't articulate a clear thought. He can't form complete sentences. It is time for him to go home and to go to sleep, enjoy a nice hot cocoa with the family and sit by the fire. I am not saying that to be mean. I will be mean to these people who are putting him on TV. I will be mean to the Democratic establishment. This has gone on too long. Look at this. Biden appears to forget what he's talking about during a CNN interview. This this is I I've never been look you know we've seen all the videos from Biden we've seen it happen and I've laughed I've laughed we all have this is sick and twisted at this point. Look, it's one thing when Joe Biden's on the debate stage and he and he stumbles a word and slurs. And you think, oh, man, Joe Biden's teeth slipped. We know he's old. It's gotten to the point where his cognitive decline has become so absurd and apparent that putting him on TV is abuse. And I think we've, we, we we should all be done with this. What do you think is going to happen? Everybody knows this guy can't stand next to Donald Trump. They're, CNN actually tried to let Joe Biden sit down in a debate with Bernie Sanders. And there was a huge, a, a, a huge controversy because Joe Biden could not stand up. They're like, we'll make it less formal, have him sit in a couch, sit on a little sofa. Enough, man. CNN, enough. Daily Caller writes, former Vice President Joe Biden stumbled through a CNN interview Thursday night while criticizing President Donald Trump's response to the coronavirus pandemic. The presumptive Democratic presidential nominee suggested that Trump should start a pandemic production board, similar to the war production board that President Franklin Roosevelt began at the start of America's involvement in World War II. You know, Oh, man, I'm going to read this. And I'm going to stop before I read this and point something out. I do not believe for two seconds when they say Joe Biden had a stutter. That's why he struggles to speak. Don't disparage the man's stutter. Oh, shut up. The dude doesn't know what he's saying. And that's what they, oh, but he's always had a stutter. That's not stuttering, man. This is him not being able to speak. Let me read you this quote from Joe, from Joe Biden. Quote, you know, there's during World War II, you know where Roosevelt came up with that thing that, you know, was totally different than, uh, than he called it, you know, World War II. He had the war production board, Biden said, looking down at his notes. I don't know why we don't set up something like a pandemic production board. Donald Trump Jr. responded to the video on Twitter, saying he was excited to see his father debate Biden this fall. Yeah, you know what, man? I get it. That's a joke we've made. It'd be like pay-per-view. It's gonna be entertaining. It's going to be like a Comedy Central roast, said one guest on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, you know it. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Trump will uh, be more empathetic and say, come on, man, enough of this. This is sick. Donald Trump Jr. tweeting, debate's going to be fire. they go on to say that Biden has had a number of verbal uh, blunders in recent weeks. Look how many stories they have here. This is ridiculous. Three different links. Now I want to show you, well, I'll, I'll load that up. Here's a tweet from Glenn Greenwald. I agree with this tweet. Let me read it for you. Glenn said, Let me say again, I've been on cable hundreds of times. I've watched thousands of segments over the years. I've literally never seen one person until Joe Biden who has to read from notes to answer questions from a cable TV host. And even with that, he often gets lost. Glenn's correct. Here's what the first response is. So when Bernie is asked literally any question and gives the same robotic response about billionaires and Medicare for all, that makes him sharp, sharp as attack? Yes. Yes, it does. Bernie Sanders can instantly recall his talking point. This is how the media works. I too have been on cable many times, not nearly as many as, as Glenn Greenwald. I also host a show where I have no script and I often ramble. And yes, many people get upset because sometimes I repeat myself maybe too much. I apologize for that. It happens. Sometimes I am trying to drive emphasis. You know, I'll like say something and then try and be like, and that's why this, and here, and that's why this. But I but I, I get it. I'm not perfect. But what Joe Biden is doing is something very different. I too have watched cable over the years. I've never seen someone look down and struggle to read a note card when they appear in a show. I've never seen it. You 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 watch podcasts, right? All these different podcasts, people can hold conversations with each other. Let me ask you something. If you went to meet with someone and you ask them a question. So what do you do for a living? And they looked down at a card and said, uh, well, I did. Uh, well, um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, my job in, in, in manufacturing, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I, it's uh, um, the, the thing with my manufacturing. You'd be like, whoa, dude, I, I literally just asked you a simple question. You don't need notes for this. Clearly, something is wrong with Joe Biden if we're seeing it over and over again. And everybody can see it. I get it, man. Progressives want to point it out. Here's what uh, we have from the Daily Caller. This is another story from just a couple days ago. Uh, I'm sorry, this is from last year. Some backers say seeing less of Biden means fewer gaffes. Let me tell you, they've actually tried this. They said, maybe we just don't put Joe on TV anymore. Maybe we make sure he doesn't do any late night shows, appearances or debates because he just can't. And and this was back in August. They knew it was getting bad. I've told this to my friends. You know, when you watch these videos of Biden in his home, I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think Joe is. I, th- I think he may be getting near his uh, his end. And I'm not trying to say that to be disrespectful or shocking or mean. I mean that with the utmost concern and sincerity. When when you look at people who are getting on in years, their decline starts getting worse and worse and worse. It's exponentially worse. You'll see one gaffe. A day later, you'll see two gaffes then four gaffes, then eight, then 16, then 32. And then eventually they can't speak. Joe Biden, just the other day on CNN, could not speak. And here's what I see in the news. First, take a look at this story from The Hill, just recently published. I just grabbed a random story, any old story. Joe Biden's record on Social Security isn't perfect, but Donald Trump's is far worse. I tell you what, man, they are putting up a mannequin next to Donald Trump. There is no Joe Biden. I'm sorry. It's the truth. There is no Joe Biden. The man is not there. There's no policy for Joe Biden. There's no debate for Joe Biden. The media is creating the debate for him. Donald Trump is debating no one. Take a look at these stories. I do a Google search right for Joe Biden. Karl Rove debates Donna Brazil on Obama's unusual way of endorsing Biden. Not really about him. Biden is losing the Internet. Does that matter? No. Biden isn't losing the internet. There is no Biden. That's why he has no followers. Okay, I get it. He's got millions right across the board. Donald Trump has 100 million plus. Bernie Bernie Sanders and Trump both had way more YouTube subscribers. Joe Biden doesn't have any because Joe Biden isn't actually a candidate. He's not. He's got no ideas and he can't talk. He's literally just an old man sitting. You know, know it's really funny. Remember Mike Gravel he was the former, I think uh, I think it was a senator from Alaska. And they said, ah, he's not really running. He's old and retired. What do you think Joe Biden is? He's a placeholder. For what, a VP, I guess? I have no idea. Here's this one. Uh, Democrats grapple with questions about Tar Reid, allegations against Joe Biden. Once again, the media is having a conversation that Joe Biden is not having. Pro-Biden super PAC snubbed by campaign vows. Joe Biden's record. Joe Biden has a China problem. Biden says he's already choosing a transition team who will Joe Biden pick? Joe Biden's Medicare for all mistake. None of this is real. There isn't anything Joe Biden could offer you when he goes on TV and they say, hey, Joe Biden, how was lunch yesterday? And he goes, blah, 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 and he can't talk. He's not there anymore. You know, this story was funny when they when they wrote it. March 24th, just only three weeks ago. Stay alive, Joe Biden. Democrats li- need little from the front runner beyond his corporeal presence. And this should have been a bigger red flag for us. I get it. It was a joke. It was funny. They were saying, We just want the idea of Biden, but they mean it. They're not here to to take Joe Biden at his word. Oh, let, 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 me, let me frame it this way A president is someone with ideas. Donald Trump said, China is bad and we need to build a wall. That, that was Trump. Trump says it loud and proud build that wall over and over again. He wants to do something. And you know People criticized him for it. They said, The wall is a stupid idea. It's a waste of money. Joe Biden said nothing. He can't say anything. He has no ideas. He's presenting no debate. The media is propping him up. When Trump, I'm sorry, when Biden comes out and says, gumble, mumble, Gerdigel schmid, they say, Joe Biden offers up interesting critique of the president. And they cut out the nonsensical garbled gibberish. And then just, well, here's what we think Biden meant. Yeah, okay. You let me know when Biden's sitting there complaining about the moon people and, you know. Acting like it wasn't there, something where one of his gaffes was, he thought it was like 1972. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. He like referenced something. Oh yeah, 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 the Paris Peace Accord or something like that. Like it was the end of World War Two or some ridiculous nonsense. He just didn't know what he was saying. It's like maybe you were there back then, Joe. We don't know where you're at today. The signs have been clear to everybody. And you know what? When Steven Crowder said he thought that this guy had dementia. NewsGuard, the rating agency said, that's not true. He's not a medical degree. So we give him a false rating. That's how that's how they do it. The media is trying so hard to make this guy a thing. He's not. You can criticize Bernie, but Bernie could snap up a talking point in two seconds. He goes on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan asks him a question and Bernie says, Medicare for all and the billionaires. Medicare for all and the billionaires, the millionaires, the billionaires. I'll stop saying millionaire because I'm a millionaire now. Yeah, the guy could talk. Joe Biden's not here anymore, man. I'm getting angrier every time I see this stuff. Because it's very clearly just abuse of an old guy who doesn't know what's going on. I can't, whatever, man. He's got free will. What can I say? I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes. I'll see you all shortly. I am not surprised at all that there are people who believe the coronavirus is a bioweapon. I'm not surprised. I'm not saying I believe it. I actually do not think it is. But there's so many weird coincidences and horrifying things coming out with this that it's, it's going to be easier than ever for someone to be a conspiracy theorist. I want to show you these two stories. And I actually want to show, show them to you so I can address the issue while being a bit skeptical before we go off into crazy land, right? Well, I shouldn't say crazy land as the story progressively gets crazier. The first story is from the Wall Street Journal. South Korea's new coronavirus twist. Recovered patients test positive again. They say more than 160 South Koreans have tested positive for a second time with the coronavirus, a development that suggests the disease may have a longer shelf life than expected. It may go dormant. It may be biphasic. Now, that's just scary. Let, let, let me explain you why. Listen, back in January, I said, We got nothing to worry about. Eh, coronavirus, you know, rep- respiratory infection. I'll tell you what. You don't got to worry about this unless say it's, I don't know, like airborne or has like a, a, a long incubation period. That way people can't find it and it spreads rapidly through the air until it's too late. So nothing to worry about. And then sure enough, like a week later, I was like, well, I was wrong about that. It's airborne and it's got a two week to one month incubation period. Man, that's scary. And then since then we are now in this complete lockdown. We don't know when things are going to kick back up. They say maybe May 1st. But now we're hearing that people are being reinfected, I guess. It's reactivating. Let me tell you more scary news. This is a story from Fox. US US officials confirm full scale investigation of whether coronavirus escaped from Wuhan lab. Whoa. Is Brett Bayer again? Brett Bayer reporting the other day that sources say yes. They have they have sources that are telling Fox straight up. We are familiar with what China is doing and what they've done. And this escaped from China, not as a bioweapon, but China was trying to compete with the US to show that they could control this stuff with their biolab. And they made a mistake. Now we have a really, really creepy story. And I'm going to throw some shade over at uh, uh, Huffington Post. Luke Montagnier, controversial Nobel Prize winner, accuses biologists of having created the coronavirus. Okay, okay. Huffington Post, what are you reporting? Now, in this story, they drag this guy, Luc Montagnier, saying that he's an anti vaxxer. He's, you know, what, what did it say? Conspired by the scientific community for his radical positions, in particular anti vax. Luc Montagnier affirms the virus results from a work of Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's a French article. Huffington Post, France, just ran this article highlighting a Nobel Prize winner saying this was made in a lab. I'm not going to entertain necessarily. Or I shouldn't say it. I'm, I don't believe this is a bioweapon. I really, really don't. I think the story from Fox News is likely legitimate for several reasons. China has been trying to pass the blame onto us that we release this, and that's just BS. It emerged in China. It makes them look bad. So no, China's got a lab. Fox News and another outlets have reported and it. It's possible, if not likely, I mean Fox News is saying definitively that it was a mistake it escaped from their lab, and that makes sense because if they wanted to, they would have released it here so they could pass the blame on to us and it would cause us severe problems now, in all likelihood, they screwed up and they screwed up bad but listen, the reason why this story is seemingly the manufactured story like the the the, the device, uh, was somehow created it's being the reason it's being entertained, I think is for one, we've got a full scale investigation. We've got reports. But I think a lot of people are very much into this because of the strange coincidences around what this thing does. I was talking to, I was talking to my friends and I, I think I said on the podcast, you couldn't ask for a more perfect bioweapon. No, no, no. I mean, hear me out. Again, not saying it is. I'm just saying I understand what people would believe it was or believe in conspiracy theories. I, I hate using the term conspiracy. I'll just say theory. The reason is if you made something like Ebola, it's it's a bad virus. It kills its host way too quickly, and it's hard to transmit. You need like, direct contact with people who are infected. You would want something airborne. You would want something with a decently long incubation period. You would want something with a moderately low mortality rate. You don't want to destroy the world and your own people. You want to cripple your opponent, your enemies, your adversaries. You would also want something that could potentially reactivate, although in, in, you know, getting your own people infected would be a very bad thing stands to reason that first, let me just tell you, sometimes people win the lottery. It's true. You can go out and buy a ticket. know the ads are astronomical. You can win. The scientific community's official stance on this is that there's a weird combination of things that make it seem much more like it was natural, not that it was manufactured. And that's Dr. Oz on Fox News saying that even with Fox News saying they got reports that could have come from this, this, this lab. I, I really do think it makes the most sense. What I think we're looking at is the perfect storm. Look, there's a reason why we have pandemics. There's a reason why they've happened periodically throughout the centuries, because sometimes something will emerge and it's going to just hit us particularly hard and it's going to do weird things. You know, it's, it's almost like every year we have a flu season or some kind of viral contagion season. It's like buy, buying a lottery ticket. Many of them actually, because viruses are all, all over the place all, all the time. Eventually, you'll get a mutation, a combination of certain factors in the virus. And then all of a sudden, you've got a perfect storm of a really, really dangerous and deadly disease. Now, I understand there are people like this Nobel guy saying he believes it was made in a lab. But I think it's easy to think that because sometimes people win the lottery. If someone, you know, some, some people get ahead and everybody always wants to believe there's something behind it. That they didn't actually work hard for it. So look, there are a lot of people who are jealous of me. And they say, you didn't even do anything. And they don't realize how much work goes into all this. They don't understand that it's not a simple overnight process. What people don't realize about this, this virus is that it may have uh, its natural selection over a long period of time may have ended up in one of these labs. They were researching it broke, bro- uh, broke, broke, uh, uh, broke out. So look, look, I, I, I find there's a hard balance between trying to entertain uh, high profile ideas or is the easy way to put the theories while not trying to necessarily get, push them. The point I'm trying to make is that whenever it comes to any conspiracy theory, and, I, and again, I don't like using that phrase, but any, any kind of theory or hypothesis as to the origination, you need evidence before you make, you, before you assert what really happened. Now, this is a scary story, reinfection, but it doesn't prove anything. Although we may question why the virus infects certain people in certain ways and how it spread, that doesn't prove it was made. You know what you need? Get me a document. From someone saying I did this, we did that, and then I'll say we have evidence. But if a virus emerges that do it that 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 does messed up stuff, I think it's silly to come out and just you know claim it must be true. And just because some guy is a a Nobel winner, it doesn't mean he's right either. You can have experts say a lot of things. Dr. Fauci, for instance, back on February 29th or whatever, was saying it won't be that bad. He was wrong. He's a doctor. So why should I trust this other guy? You got to be careful about confirmation bias, man. Is the is this scary? Could it reinfect us? Yeah, that's really scary. And I think we might end up seeing, I don't know, a long term lockdown, which I don't like. We're already we're already facing weird social problems with with these lockdowns. But here's what I w- would satisfy me: get me a document. Even Fox News coming out and saying it escaped this lab. Sources say, I I trust Brett Bayer. I mean, I think the dude's legit, but. I mean, if you, I really would prefer to see some hard evidence. Now, if you want to come out and many people are coming out and trying to claim, you know, the bioweapon theory or something, they're trying to accuse Bill Gates, dude, get me a document, get me a photo, get me a video, prove it because there's no point. Look, I, I, I do not believe there's a point in just assuming, you know, where it came from without that hard evidence. I know a lot of people might get mad because a lot of people want to believe it, but listen, you can come out, And you can accuse anybody and everybody and say it's a globalist plot or Bill Gates or whatever. I'm sorry, man. That doesn't help me solve the problem at all. It doesn't help any of us figure out how to survive. It doesn't doesn't help any of us figure out how to get get through this economic downturn to get our jobs back. It's just freaking people out. Now, it may be true. A lot of things might be true. If you can get the evidence, that's very important because if you can prove it, then we can actually take action. A lot of people want to say it came from this place or that place. Okay, once you prove it, We can take action, but imagine putting on a blindfold and being put in the middle of a warehouse, fifty thousand square feet, and they say, "Find the pinata and break it." You're gonna be like, "Dude, I'm blindfolded in the middle of fifty thousand square foot warehouse. I can't find a pinata in this place." That's what we'd end up doing. You spin around in circles, swinging at nothing. Then, then you give someone some information. You say, "I'll tell you what. We have proof of where that is," and then you can peek a little bit out of the blindfold, and then you can see off in the distance. You might have something and you can head in that direction. doesn't mean you're guaranteed to, to actually get to it, but that will help guide you. Otherwise, we're spinning in circles, wasting our time. So let me just, I, I guess I'll wrap this one up. There was a lot more actually on doing this, but it just devolved into an anti-conspiracy rant. First of all, I'm sure the media uh, uh, personalities, activists will take this video and say, Tim Pool pushes the conspiracy. Oh, geez. There's, there's, no, there's no way around it, right? You want to try and debunk this stuff, but you want to you explain the severity of it and the potential and they're going to come after you for it. Any good journalist will be, to a certain degree, a conspiracy theorist. Is it possible this was manufactured with malintent? Oh, you betcha. Is it likely? I don't believe there's any point in speculating right now at all. The media reports we got from Fox, no. They were, they were working on this in a lab, but it wasn't a weapon, and it broke out because they were trying to prove they were as good as we are. That sounds about right. And they were experimenting, and we've heard other reports, so I think that's our best bet. The scary thing after this is the reinfection rate. This is what I want you to consider you don 't need to worry about the conspiracy stuff unless evidence comes out or anyone can prove it by all means if you 're a journalist or an investigator, you can investigate but be careful about what you think is definitive and what is circumstantial the the more The reason I, I want to bring this up is because I see a lot of people tweeting this stuff and I roll my eyes. What we need to be considering is if this is reactivating in people, then we might see things break down it might get really bad we might We might never get to reopen our economy in the same way. Things might never come back and and, and we 're seeing some interesting maneuvers from major corporations like facebook uh, banning public major events until like next year. I wonder why. Harvard's saying it might be locked down for 2 years if this is reactivating in people and they're factoring that into their models. We may be in for this for a long time. In which case the the more important conversation I think we should be having is are you preparing yourself, your friends and your family for how bad this could be? Maybe it gets better, I honestly don't know. But the the people that are going around saying it's not real the people who are going around saying it was manufactured. This doesn't help us in any way. I don't know, man. I guess I'll leave it there. Whatever. I could run on this stuff forever. I got, I got one more segment for you coming up in a few minutes, and I'll see you all shortly. I am not a knee-jerk anti-cop individual. I recognize that people are people, and there's good people, and there's bad people. And as a sane human being, I can, I can easily point out the great encounters I've had with police who have really helped me out, as well as the really bad ones, because that's the way life is. Sometimes people have a bad encounter. And it becomes their entire world. They say this one bad encounter is all of the police. That's not fair. And that's not true. I was once walking through Chicago. I had a guy try to mug me out of nowhere. Some cops popped out of the shadows. It was the craziest thing. Grabbed the dude, saved me. I don't know if the guy was actually going to mug me because I didn't have any money or anything. And I didn't care. I'm like, dude, what you got? I got I had nothing on me. But these cops did save me from a mugging. And it was really crazy that I'd never experienced something like that before. I've had friends who have done things that were wrong, and the cops gave them a head shake, a wink wink, and said, kid, don't do this stuff ever again. And they've said, thank you. I've had cops that were really nice. I've also had really bad cops. Cops trying to plant drugs on me didn't work out. I've had cops falsely arrest me. So I get it, man. But I'll tell you what, right now we are really getting the worst of the worst with all of this news. And I want to make sure I make this clear. These are bad cops. In the videos we're seeing, in the weird enforcement rules, the violations of the constitution, but it's not every single cop. And that's the important thing. You'll see way too many videos where they're like, look at this cop arresting someone in violation of the constitution. All cops are bad. No, dude, those ones are bad. And there are a lot of them and we call them out. That's how we make it better. Look at this story from the New York Post. This one's actually kind of funny. NYPD cops probed for curse laden megaphone rant caught on video. So this guy, you you can barely see it. This guy over here is yelling at the cops. The cops are yelling back, cursing him out. This is not a coronavirus uh, lockdown story for the most part, but it is kind of funny. So I want to point it out. This is unprofessional behavior. And I'm glad it kind of just ended there. Dude, these cops deserve a stern talking to. That's about it. Don't tell someone to go suck a fat one. That's what they did and started cussing at him. That makes me laugh. Uh, I question the professionalism of these officers. For the time being, you get a warning for this. But there's some truly twisted. There's some truly twisted stories. Check so out this story from Reason: NYPD cops, some without masks, detain small boy for being alone on subway. His parents were in the next car. City officials have asked NYPD to reduce arrests since there's a global pandemic happening. The commissioner said he'd do no such thing. I can understand why the cops might, you know, find a small boy and be like, well, you know, we're gonna detain you or whatever. Where your parents? And if its kids are right there, they should have been with him, not sitting in the other car it's just another story we're seeing. And again, this is not the worst. I'm going to show you how it it gets bad. But we've seen the paddleboarding guy getting arrested for what? Paddleboarding by himself? We've seen the protesters in Raleigh, the one woman who got arrested because she was violating the executive decree of the governor. You can't do that. We have some good cops. We have some bad cops. But I'll tell you what, right now, the big thing that bothers me is the regular cops who are agreeing to enforce these BS laws like we saw in Raleigh. Now, over in Michigan, amazingly, several sheriffs, I believe four different sheriffs have refused to execute the decree of Governor Whitmer. They've said straight up, not going to do it because it's unconstitutional. We have seen sheriffs in Virginia with these new Second Amendment you know, restrictions saying, we're not going to enforce this. You can't make us do it. And I think it's interesting that's typically the sheriffs who are like, no way, I'm not enforcing that law. That's amazing because those are good cops saying, I know what the rules are and I know what you can or can't do. It's freaky to me when you see these lockdown videos, when you see protesters being arrested, when you see the the, the, the executive decree, or I'm sorry, in Raleigh when they tweeted protesting is a non essential activity. Let me tell you what you get, which brings me to the big stories. First, major crime is up twelve percent in New York City, despite coronavirus outbreak. No, no, no. You mean because of. Because cops are getting sick. This is what what's worrying to me. Why why is it that we're going to see these videos of a cop pulling up in a car and cussing somebody out? But crime is up. I'm not going to sit here and tolerate cops who want to go arrest some kid in a subway cart when people in New York are being beaten and robbed and major crimes are up and commercial burglaries are up. Uh, Look, isolated. You got a kid in a subway cart. The cops come up and detain him. And I say, hey, that makes sense. The kid should have been by himself. Where are his parents? He's a little young to be on a subway by himself. Detaining may be a little strong, but they could have said, hey, where's your parents? Turns out they were in the next car over. Why are we hearing a story? Let me show you the photo because I'm, this next one you're not going to like. Why do we have all of these cops coming up to this kid and attaining him? Why? What, what's the problem? Now I'll show you the, the, the real news. A New York City nurse who beat the coronavirus is attacked and robbed on her way to work by a group of 15 thugs in New York City. Martha Toscano, 60, was assaulted as she made her way to the Bellevue Hospital. She said she feared the thugs were going to kill me in the vicious attack. Police have arrested three of the alleged suspects, including two teenage girls. All right. I'm glad the police were able to arrest these people, some of them. But how do we get to a point where, look, cops are sick. I get it. There's a breakdown. But they're going to they're going to do these things like like cussing people out. They're going to detain kids. And then this kind of stuff happens. I'm not an idiot. I understand cops aren't everywhere all the time. And that's kind of the point that you have to be responsible for yourself within reason but I don't think it makes sense for them to do these arbitrary enforcement type things. And, and I, I want to stress too, these issues are happening outside of New York. We're seeing a lot of these stories outside of New York. Raleigh is not NYPD, but, it, but it's like a frequent thing we've seen. And I feel like what we're seeing right now is the worst possible outcome. Low quality enforcement, enforcement of, of arbitrary and nonsensical rules and I- ignoring more harsh crimes. You've got police in Philly, that's the area I'm in, and many other big cities saying they're not going to enforce, they're not going to arrest people for certain crimes. Are you kidding me? It's like the worst possible outcome. You know, it really brings out the libertarian in me when I'm questioning the government institution that is not going to arrest criminals and is going to hassle people for no reason. And I've I've seen this stuff. Activists have complained about this stuff all the time. But when you get a nurse who's getting beaten and robbed, you kind of want to know what the priorities of the department's going to be. My sympathy to those who are sick, but come on, can we can we do better? I don't know, man. Maybe it's naive of me. Maybe I'm making assumptions about what the cops can and can't do, but I don't know. Welcome to New York. A nurse who beat the coronavirus was attacked and robbed. She thought they were going to kill her. They hit her. These are, these are nasty people. She wept as she told the Post how the attack happened just three days after she returned from work from beating COVID-19. She had been off for two weeks while she recovered from the virus. The vicious assault was interrupted only when three men driving down the street came to a rescue and screamed at the thugs to stop. She said, "Thank God these angels came because nobody was in the street, nobody. The men helped the woman help the woman up and chased the muggers to retrieve her purse to no avail. Toscano said she had been left with pain in all my body, including my back, my neck, bumps on my head, even on my elbows, and was taken to the hospital for her injuries. She returned home returned home around four a m and was forced to call her landlord. To get into her apartment, because her keys, IDs, and credit cards were all in the purse swiped by her attackers. This this kind of stuff makes me wonder about these far-leftist protesters and why there's no real common ground between libertarian right and left. You know, to a greater degree. I understand for the most part. You'll probably find yeah a lot of overlap. But you look at these stories. I think it's easy to look at the NYPD and say, why are these cops in a squad car cussing out some guy in the street for no reason? Why are they detaining a kid in the subway and then questioning why they weren't there for this woman? Well, the, I think it's fair to say the reality is they're not everywhere all at once. And if we only highlight the worst possible things, you, know, you, don't, see a, you don't see the story about the cop who helped the old lady cross the street because it's not newsworthy. And that makes sense. But my question then is, can we, can we do something better for the visibility if that is the case? Or is there something we can do to make the department actually function better so the cops are more likely to be able to help a woman like this who's a nurse, for instance, and not waste their time on these kids? I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe the reality is they do waste their time. I'll tell you what, man. In my experience, my friends and me, and I'm sure many of you have realized, it's easier for, for a lot of cops to enforce low-grade things. I've been the victim of you know false arrests before because it's easier for a cop to come up to me knowing there's no real threat and just hassle me than it is to go and actually deal with a group of muggers who are beating a woman. That's a dangerous situation. I don't know how we solve these problems. And maybe we're just seeing the worst of it because we're paying attention now. Maybe this kind of stuff happens all the time. We've got to solve this problem. I don't know. But amid the coronavirus pandemic, there's a lot of really, really bad policing going on. It's not just the police. I get it. It's kind of the government in general. This is the greatest thing. I feel like in all of this, It should really bring out the inner libertarian of everybody. You're on the left. You got a problem with Donald Trump. Don't trust the government to solve your problems. You're on the left. You got a problem with cops. Don't trust the government to solve all of your your problems. And then for the libertarian right, they're already agreeing you shouldn't let the government solve all your problems. So I think, you know, as this gets worse and we experience more hardship and people are, are focusing less on sports and video games and movies they're going to be more prone to seeing this stuff. They're going to be angrier when these, when these stories come out. It might actually make uh, for an actual solution to the problem. The light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, when all, with all of this is that more, as more of these stories come out, I guess you'll get more people asking the question, why couldn't the cops be the disaver? And then maybe not an indictment of the police, maybe an indictment of these laws stopping you from able, being able to arm yourself. Maybe the issue is it's not the police fault, the, the cops fault that couldn't be there. It's the fault of the government for restricting this woman's right to self-protection. Maybe many people will start to realize that you, you have to be more responsible for yourself. And as people are, are paying attention less and less to entertainment, they might take the responsibility. They might actually realize as they focus on these stories, just how bad things can get if they don't wake up and solve these problems. Or it could get worse and the stories could make people angrier and angrier and result in major protests and riots in the middle of, middle of a pandemic. I honestly don't know, man but uh, let me, let me wrap this up. It's, I, I don't often do a, like a rant on police. You know what I mean? Cause for the most part, it'd be like doing a rant on the fire department. I get that there are issues with police accountability, 100% and they need to be called out. So let this be like my pent up frustration with seeing all these stories and just trying to ask the question, like, why can't we do better? Maybe we can't, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not possible. No, I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 AM on this channel. Uh, I'll see you next time.